You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Good morning and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Jackie Alimany, a congressional investigations reporter here at The Post. Joining me today to, to talk about leveling the playing field for female hockey players is Reagan Carey, the commissioner of the Premier Hockey Federation. Commissioner Carey, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you. Thanks for that lead in too. I'm, I'm pumped up. It's like game day. That was great. So I want to get right into it. The league and issues of pay. Your federation increased the salary cap to $1.5 million per team for the 2023-2024 season. It's double the current cap of $750,000 and a 900% increase since the 2021-2022 season. Can you translate exactly what these numbers mean for us? Yeah, we're really proud of the uh, the advancements we've made in a short amount of time. Um, and it's just thanks to every single person, whether it's a player on the ice, uh, the support staff, the ownership, investors. It just reflects how much uh, confidence and and support we have at the PHF to make sure that we're making these strides. And, you know, we're largely an impatient group. We want to see the future here faster. Um, and we have the right team around us to do that. So to be able to be one of the smaller but emerging and, and thriving leagues for women's sports um, in the professional realm uh, to be leading in a salary cap is, is something you know we're really proud of and hopefully an indicator of where we're headed. Can you say categorically that the growing interest and appetite for women's professional hockey is matching that increase in salary cap? Yeah, absolutely. And in a lot of ways you have to, you know, set the vision, I think, for for everybody and make sure that it isn't a storyline again that is all these years in the future, we need to um, make that strong stance and uh, we have the right support and right people that believe in it. And the reason we were able to make that jump was, um, you know, the last 18 months and particularly the last season, we use this as a, a proving ground um, and really testing what we can do if we we harness all the right people. Uh, we've changed our leadership uh, at the front office, at the league level. Uh, we've got, you know, many architects of the game that are, are part of, uh, you know, the vision and what we have put together here. So, so when you see all that in action, um, I think it gives a lot more confidence to our partners, our investors, and our board of governors to say, uh, we're ready to do this um, and we can do it now. So uh, yeah, we've got to put the the uh, expectations out there, uh, but we've been really pleased to see everybody uh, rallying around and supporting and the incoming calls that we have are drastically different um, in the last six months than they were prior to that. So uh, we're on the right track. And as I'm sure you're well aware, one of the arguments of why women's hockey isn't highly profitable is because people don't want to watch it. Is that true? And and how do you change the appetite so that people, more people at least, do want to watch it? Oh, I think we've proven a lot of people want to watch it. If you look at the uh, viewership in the Olympic Games, you know, millions of people are tuning in to watch the best of women's hockey. And in uh, large part over the years, we haven't had the opportunity to see women's hockey. So it's not about whether they want to watch it. Uh, they haven't had a chance to watch it consistently. So our partnership with ESPN uh, being a two-year partnership and their belief in, in that people do want to watch it, uh, you know, being able to watch professional women's ice hockey in the PHF all season long, that's another trailblazing moment for sport, uh, something that hasn't been done before. So now you're able to fill in the big gaps of those big Olympic moments and in, in, uh, some of the world championships. And uh, I, I, have, I have a feeling we'll be proving uh, that statement quite wrong. And why do you think hockey is less popular in North America than it is in other parts of the world? Uh, 
I, I wouldn't say that it is on the women's side, for sure. If you uh, look at 1998 Olympic Games, um, from that point on, the growth that we've seen in, in women's sports, and again, it goes back to that exposure. Once people see it and once everybody has a chance to really engage with those players and the storylines and uh, the, just the skill of those athletes, uh, it really it it really propels everything forward much faster. So 1998, I think there's about 14 um, Division One teams, and um, and now you have over 40 um, going on in the U.S. and and obviously Canada. It's always been a thriving sport. So uh, I I think the um, the popularity, of, particularly on the women's game, is strong in North America. And the average salary for an NHL player is roughly around $3.5 million a year. Uh, and, and the average professional women's hockey player would make around $150,000 a year. In your view, what are the major factors then contributing to this disparity? Well, we're at the infancy of our sport. Uh, as mentioned, you know, the Olympics um, were the first time in 1998 for women's uh, ice hockey. And um, you know, we're we're really not that far off from the. If you look at the pace at which we've grown, I think we're probably outpacing a lot of the men's leagues over the years. Um, and you know, it's just a matter of continuing to improve things. Uh, we're focused on what we can control. We're focused on what we're building, uh, and we're focused on doing it quickly. But um, in a sustainable, responsible way. So, uh, you, you know, we'll we'll get there, and um, you know, we just have to keep demonstrating and um, showing everybody what a great sport it is to watch. I think, particularly in ice hockey, the women's uh, game is something that, whether you're um, a fan of the NHL or or have a chance to watch women's hockey, um, anybody that I've I've had the opportunity to work with, especially NHL players and coaches that come work with the women's game, uh, really love this uh, style of the sport. Um, you know, it's a fast-paced part of the sport. It's uh, a lot of passing, a lot of teamwork, um, and it, it's a bit of the uh, you know the best of the best when you watch women's hockey. So um, I think we'll get there pretty quickly. In terms of specifics, though, when it comes to what you just called improvements that, that can be made, what exactly needs to be done to get female athletes on, a, on that path towards equal pay? You know, it just takes everybody committed. Uh, you know, I think in, in the history of women's sports, uh, female athletes have always had to do more. They've always had to be more than just an athlete. And, um, you know, at some point we hope that that, you know, isn't the case, but um, everybody's had to contribute to promoting the game, promoting these players that are so talented and skilled. Um, and it requires investors, it requires sponsorship, it requires the right partners that are in it for the long haul. And I think what's special and you're seeing, um, you know, everybody talks about this moment in women's sports. And and um, I think we've accurately reframed that to be a movement, but a movement that started a long time ago. Um, and we are responsible to keep that that moving in a way that, um, you know, make sure we're aligning with people that understand this is a long journey that we're in and not just a, a flash in the pan. And you have previously said that you wanted to deepen the Federation's relationship with the NHL. What exactly does this look like in, in your ideal state? Well, you know, I think a lot of people compare us you know, to the WNBA and having that model in place. And, um, you know, that made a, a lot of sense at the time for the WNBA and the NBA to to team up. I certainly believe that uh, women's hockey at the professional level and men's hockey at the professional level should be uh, teammates and supportive of each other. And working with the NHL uh, certainly provides a lot of resources and support, and they already do that. Uh, so to be able to continue to augment that uh, as we grow and, and their support to, to grow with us, 
I don't think it necessarily has to reflect the exact model of, um, you know, a uh, women's version of the NHL. But I, I do know that it's a, it's a small sport in the sense that the community is, uh, you know, always working together and supporting each other. So the more we can do that, the better um, and expose the sport to, uh, you know, an audience and a fan base that love the sport. Can women's hockey become as popular as men's hockey? Absolutely. Yeah, I can't can't imagine why not. Uh, as we get these, uh, you know, new opportunities with our media rights and, and the uh, continued exposure, um, you know, it's not a lack of the sport being where it needs to be. It's not a lack of these uh, talented athletes. It's just a lack of exposure and awareness um, and growing that fan base. So I have no doubt that it can be. And you lost a handful of your star athletes in 2019 over boycotts tied to the lack of health insurance and low salaries. You now have better health options for players and have a higher pay cap, as we just covered. Do you think this has incentivized some of these athletes to return to the league? Yeah, we've seen that in the last year. And even our front office is made up of a lot of those players that were part of that um, um you know, decision to move and uh, try and augment that in other ways. Um, you know, this this league is has been built on uh, a strong vision of being a trailblazer. They're the first to pay players. It wasn't enough at the time, but uh, they were the first to do it. So, um, you know, they put a, a new um, stake in the ground to say that these players matter. And obviously there's some bumps along the road with any startup and new league. Uh, but I think where we are now is strongly that new era phase uh, for this league and being able to increase the salary cap, you know, make sure that we're providing, you know, significant medical benefits um, to our players and having the broadcast support that we have uh, and just really listening to the players, being transparent. Uh, as, I, as I said before, uh, you know, in women's sports, athletes have had to do so much more than just be elite athletes and uh, listening to the players and all of us being part of this movement uh, within the PHF and building this new era um, is important and essential to our success. And I want to pivot a bit to sort of an international matter. The PHF has been largely silent on the war in Russia, but the chairman of the board and majority owner is also one of the chairs of, uh, is the chairman of Yandex, one of Russia's largest tech companies. How has the war in Ukraine impacted the PHF? Um, you know, I think for, for us, we're a very um, thriving global game. Uh, we're a thriving global league. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we've doubled the number of international players we have in the PHF and our leadership has been very involved in the global game and building that. So, um, you know, we're very aware of the impact and, um, you know, even at the Olympic level, how those, um, um, you know, global issues and um, concerns impact sport. Uh, but we hope to be continue to be a beacon and demonstrate, you know, that global ability to work together and to um, to really just support each other. So we continue to to focus on what we can do for these players and building the best home for for women's hockey. And uh, again, that includes everybody around the globe. Is the league planning on responding to uh, John Boynton's connections to the ongoing war? For example, the NHL cut ties with Yandex and Russia business partners last year when the war broke out. Yeah, I think we've responded to that. I'll let John respond to, to those inquiries. I mean, it's directly related to him as it pertains to ownership and investment of the PHF. It's not directly involved with us, so I can't speak to that. But um, I think we've answered that question several times or, or he has. And uh, lastly, I'm just wondering how the war has affected and shaped the league's view of the intersection of athletics and diplomacy. 
I th as I just said, I think we're uh, committed to making sure that we're a beacon of opportunity for uh, young female athletes and to make sure that we're the best home for it. So, uh, again, making sure that we recognize, I think the PHF has put a ton of effort in the last uh, 18 months into being much more of a global game and uh, recognizing the importance of that and just how much it influences uh, our culture and our ability to uh, to bring a lot of uh, different backgrounds together as it's done in the NCAA, um, as well as the opportunities they have at the Olympics to really learn and grow together. So uh, I think we do that really well, and we're really proud of it. And I want to get back to now more league specifics. You've had direct competition with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which has teamed with NHL franchises and investors for, to form its own league. What do you think the player experience uh, at the PHF um, sets it different from this competition. Yeah, I'm not sure that we're in competition. Uh, you know, I think we're all in support of the same direction and we're all um, championing, you know, the platform to make sure that women's hockey has a space in women's professional uh, sports and uh, everybody's working towards a similar goal. So I would hesitate to say we're in competition. Um, and I think that we're all working with NHL teams and we're all collaborating. As I said before, it's a community of a lot of supportive people um, and making sure that we can just lift the sport up. Um, and particularly with PHF, we had some some great neutral site games and even our uh, Isabel Cup at the end of the season was done in Arizona with the uh, NHL team, the Coyotes uh, there. So, um, you know, I think everybody's supportive and, um, you know, looking to raise the level of the sport. So, uh, you know, every all these athletes have played together. They played on national teams together. They played on college teams together um, and everybody's got the same goal in mind. Do you think having two independent leagues is going to drive more interest in professional women's hockey or do you think that the two entities should potentially join forces? Yeah, I think our door has always been open to that. I think it's always better to work together in collaboration. Um, you know, my leadership style is certainly, you know, working with everyone and, and bringing uh, everyone under the same roof. But at the same time, um, you know, I think the competitiveness that can come with, you know, one, two, three different um, uh, entities, you know, we've got European leagues as well that, that players have the opportunity. I think the more options players have, the more uh, it drives everybody to be even better. So uh, I know we take that seriously and making sure again that we're that uh, leading and best home for women's professional ice hockey. And you're going to be adding a seventh team to the roster in the league. What are the conversations now that are happening to grow the league further and will any more teams be added? Can you lay out a, a, a growth timeline for us? Yeah, we added Montreal in this past season. So that was our seventh team and our second in Canada. Um, and I think it just demonstrates, you know, having the right people. It's It takes a lot of work to to uh, get an expansion team up and running and to do very well. And they did just that. Um, it just demonstrates the heart and hustle we have within the PHF. Um, and we certainly are getting, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, a lot more interest in, um, in uh, wanting expansion and investors calling into the PHF to see what they can do to be part of this uh, journey with us. So uh, certainly we're going to make sure we're growing um, in a responsible and sustainable way, but uh, we're entertaining and evaluating all those things as, as we speak in the offseason. And I'm wondering if you could just make the case more broadly about why, why now is a good time to invest in women's professional hockey. The Canadian Women's Hockey League sank in 2019 because of a lack of funding. Uh, so, you know, what kinds of investments does the Federation need in order to uh, grow the sport? 
Yeah, I, see, I think we're seeing that and making sure we're with, again, the right people and uh, the people that understand that they can have an immediate impact. You know, this this is uh, you know, people that are aligning because they believe in it, but also um, they want to see positive change and, and see that happen quickly. So, you know, we've got great sponsors. You know, Discover really, you know, wants to listen to what do we need and how can we help? Um, and, you know, we've got all, all the relationships we have from a sponsorship and investor standpoint are people that are calling and say, how can we help and what can we do? And and uh, that helps drive us forward uh, even faster. So, um, you know, the CWHL that you mentioned, I think all of those uh, we look upon as somewhat positive, um, you know, parts of the journey. This is a long journey. As I said, it's a, a long movement um, and everybody's contributed to it. So I give uh, the CWHL a lot of credit for, you know, the ability for us to do what we're doing now. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the work that the Federation's doing to encourage young women and uh, try to grow interest in playing professional hockey, what recruitment efforts are, are looking like and how you're engaging with the younger generation and inspiring them to pursue an athletic career. Well, again, the broadcast and watch women's hockey on the weekend when they're not playing uh, the game and to have those crossover moments working with the NHL and for for young um, aspiring athletes to see uh, these women performing and out there and uh, just being elite athletes is inspiring to you know young girls and boys so uh, you know that exposure is really essential to it but also um, our ability to you know really uh, engage with our fan base and um, whether that's autograph sessions or clinics um, and just really generating that interest in our local markets is um, is something we've seen a lot of success in and, and a lot of young girls getting into the sport and working with Hockey Canada and USA Hockey and the IHF and all the grassroots work that they do. Um, you know, again, it's a community effort and we all have to integrate and work together for that. And, and 10 years from now, what are your expectations for the Federation? What is the league going to look like at that point in time? Well, it'll be thriving and uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. It's going to be hard to answer that question, given that how much has changed even in the last two years, let alone the last five, seven years with this league. So uh, I know it's going to be strong. It's going to be uh, you know, something that's expanded uh, and uh, something that the fan base has grown quite a bit. Um, and I, I don't want to put a cap on that. So I'm excited to see how much we can do in that span of time. And I want to touch a little bit on your track record. You led two teams to Olympic medals in women's hockey and have also made strides in popularizing the sport in the U.S. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the benchmarks that you're most proud of in women's hockey so far? I'm just part of be um, really proud to be part of this process. Um, hockey has given me a lot personally in my life as a you know athlete and a player through college and the opportunity to continue working in the NHL and then USA Hockey with their national team and Olympic teams and now uh, on this new frontier with uh, you know working with the PHF and building this new era for professional women's ice hockey. Um, I'm really proud of just the accomplishments of the players and their dedication to making sure they drive the sport forward. Um, there's been a lot of tough decisions for a lot of players. And uh, as I keep harping on, they've had to do a lot more than be just athletes. So to be able to uh, champion um, some of the initiatives that they um, feel strongly about, and I certainly support having gone through it myself as a, as a female player, um, it's meaningful uh, to all of us. And we're all working towards making sure that some of the stories we all have are, are different than the, the next generation. So I'm, I'm really proud of uh, the players and what they've accomplished and being able to be part of that process with them. And before we wrap, Commissioner, uh, what else are you doing to enhance the player experience 
for PHF athletes? Uh, you know, transparency is really important, I think, and and that's something um, I believe in, and we've changed considerably over the last season and making sure that, you know, we're sharing our, you know, letting players have the autonomy to share salary, um, you know, and their compensation with the league if they want to, uh, being a part of our consistent town halls and providing access to, to provide feedback to better the league um, through uh, various platforms, including real response to make sure it's a positive and safe environment for our players. So, um, you know, I think it's really that transparency and and listening, and we've made a lot of changes over the course of the season just based on their experience and what we can do. And we're going to have to leave it there, Commissioner Kerry, but thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, spotlighting the PHF and women's professional ice hockey. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.